Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is 2 Peter 3. Well, I am so thankful to all of you that listen to uh, Revival from the Bible, and I'm excited that there are people who enjoy getting something out of the Word. I enjoy doing this myself, uh, just as I get more out of the Word uh, by reading through it. I'm really enjoying this format of going through the New Testament, and let's just say for the sake of example... I'm so thankful for all of you that I am going to write all of you listeners a handwritten note expressing uh, that uh, my appreciation for you, and you're going to be getting that note soon. Well, let's say a week goes by and you don't have that note. Let's say a month goes by, a year goes by, five years, 10 years, no note, 20 years, 100 years, no note, 500 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years, no note. What are you thinking? You're thinking probably I forgot. I forgot to send you that note that I told you was coming soon. Well, the Bible tells us, even as we think about the words we'll see at the very end of the Bible, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Well, here we are. About 2,000 years almost after the fact. And where is he? Where is Christ? And so that really sets up 2 Peter for us, as it tells us that people will mock this idea of the return of Christ. And if you pay attention to stuff that goes on in our world and you listen, you'll see people mock this idea of Jesus saying he's coming back. Well, hey, where where is he? Well, we're going to see an explanation. Why hasn't Jesus come back? Especially if he said he's coming back soon, what in the world is taking so long? I mean, that's another question you could think about. How often, whether it's your spouse or your kids or um, whatever it may be, when they're like, oh, I'll be out soon or, or something, and you're thinking, what in the world is taking them so long? Well, what in the world is taking Christ so long from our perspective? And then what what do we do about that? Our passage starts by reminding us that it's the second letter Peter has written. And we've already seen a couple times in this letter him bring up this idea of a reminder, that he wants to remind them of the truth. And now he's wanting to remind them of the predictions of the, of the prophets and just what the Bible says about the return of Christ. Because, verse 3, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Forget this talk about Jesus coming back. Everything's just going to keep going like it's always kept going. But then he reminds them, hmm, Remember how once there was a flood and everyone perished? And now there's going to be a day of fire, a day of judgment, it says in verse 7, and destruction for the ungodly. Verse 8 says this, but do not overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. 
The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. So, our definitions of soon and God's definition of soon, eh, they might not exactly match up because God's concept of time is much more different uh, than our concept of time. But that's not the only explanation that he gives. It's not simply, well, God's God thinks about time differently than you do. That's why he's, he's not back yet. He gives another reason, and that is his patience. But he is patient toward you, it says. And it expands on that by saying, not wishing that any would perish, but that all should reach repentance. So why hasn't Jesus come back yet? The simplest and most biblical, straightforward answer I can give you is he hasn't come back yet because he's waiting for more people to repent. Jesus is waiting patiently because he wants to give more time for more people to repent. But rest assured, even though we've got kind of those two explanations, he's got a different view of time and he's being patient. He wants more people to repent. The day is going to come and it's going to come unexpectedly, really speaking of the judgment of the Lord, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So it's going to be burned up. I remember one of my teachers at that small Christian school I went to growing up, you know, he would remind us that it's all going to burn and we shouldn't get too attached to anything in this world because as he would say, it's all going to burn. We need to be reminded that no, God's judgment will come eventually. So why hasn't Jesus come back? What in the world is taking him so long? Well, it's not necessarily so long from his perspective, but second, it's because it says he's being patient and he's waiting for more people to repent. So what? What do we, what should we do in response to all that? Well, the text answers that question if we keep reading. Verse 11, since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So if I could sum that up into two things, two things to say in the so what, what should we be? I would say one would be, we should be people of purity and we should also be people of ministry. I mean, he talks about that in lives of holiness and godliness. We should be living pure lives in light of the fact that Jesus is coming and that he is coming soon. And the second thing, what does it mean by hastening the coming of the day of the Lord? Well, that's where I think we get this idea of ministry because what's what are we waiting for? More people to get saved. Well, let's Let's get some more people saved. Let's fill up the bus so we can get out of here, uh, is something one of my old pastors used to say. So hastening the day of the Lord by being people of ministry, whether that's 
just through our local churches, through missions. We want to get the gospel out because we want to see more people come to Christ because we want to go home and be with him. We want the work to be done. So we should be people of purity and people of ministry. And we see that again, those same concepts, I think, in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So there again, you see that idea of purity without spot or blemish. And that's where we think, sometimes we think of purity in, I think, too exclusively a personal sense. And obviously there's something to that, but we need to personally and even in our private lives be pure before the Lord. But we also need to think about purity in a more interpersonal sense, even with that phrase, and at peace. We shouldn't be found bickering with one another when Christ returns. That's another way we want to be pure. We want to be pure in our relationships with others. Then verse 15 says, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. So I think there's that idea. Why is he being patient? Well, because of salvation. If Christ had come back 50 years ago, would you be saved? Would you even be around or have existed? No, well, I'm going to be thankful for God's patience. I need to take that personally because without God's patience, I wouldn't be saved. I wouldn't be a part of his people. And I think we should extend that towards others with that ministry mindset of, well, that's what we're doing as we wait for the Lord. We want to be people of ministry, spreading the gospel, seeing more people get saved. Now, an interesting note from our text, he refers to the writings of Paul. You notice that? And if you, going through the letters of Paul, at times felt like, man, I'm having a hard time understanding this. Uh, Apparently, you are not the only one. And he says in verse 16, there are some things in them, talking about the letters that Paul wrote, that are hard to understand. Uh, So, hey, even Peter is saying, you struggle with understanding some of what Paul says, you're not the only one. But the other interesting tidbit there is he talks about how people twist those things to their own destruction. And then he says, as they do the other scriptures. And so even that way that's phrased, other scriptures, gives the sense that when he's talking about what Paul wrote, he's talking about scripture. And people are going to twist that just like they do the other scriptures. So this is a verse um, that should fit into your head as you're, if you're asking the question, and it's a valid question, why the New Testament? Why do I know that these books are what God wants me to have and what God wants me to understand? Well, this would be one verse that helps clue us in that, hey, Peter, one of the, clearly one of the apostles, referred to Paul's writing as scripture. And so, as we think about the return of Christ, and I think if you live in this world, I would certainly hope it's it's natural as a Christian to find yourself longing for the return of Christ, longing for a new heavens and a new earth. And maybe we struggle sometimes to patiently wait for that. Today's text gives us some perspective and gives us, I think, some clear things to do while we wait. Isn't that helpful when when you're waiting for something, um, when when you have something to do while you wait? Well, God has given us something to do. We are to be people of purity without spot or blemish and at peace. And we are to be people of ministry, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord by calling more people to repentance. May we be faithful doing those things until Christ comes. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. 
For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.